the Broncos have One today. massive play, though. It's always one bomb, and you're like, oh my gosh, is that Cortland? No, it... No, it's Who? not. Virgil? Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Happy Victory Monday to all of our Titans fans that listen to the show. Titans get a big one on Sunday over the Broncos. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT. JT, how are you? How's your weekend been? I'm good. Happy Victory Monday. It's becoming a recurring thing every Monday we get to say that. So that's always a good thing, right? But no, it is. It was a very good weekend of... A lot of lot of good football this weekend, college or just NFL. Otherwise, it was a very good weekend. Had some up and down weekends, but this was definitely a good one. It was, yeah. And so, I mean, here we are to talk about the Titans and the Broncos game. Broncos country, unfortunately, still not riding. Not sure they're going to be riding at all this year with old Nate Hackett at the helm and Russell Wilson. Holy woof. He looks like a different quarterback uh, with this team and with this protection. So we'll talk about all of that today. It's a winners and losers day. Of course, we're back to our winners and losers article ways. I've got the wedding behind me. I've got the honeymoon behind me, which were fantastic. And I loved every bit of it. That was kind of what my life was for the last month, though. So I apologize to all of our loyal listeners for a little slacking going on with the content production. I'm here to tell you, I am rejuvenated and juiced up, ready to make some content down the stretch covering the Titans. We're going to be going balls to the wall from here through however long the Titans play this year. We've got a plan in place. We were talking about it before the show. Very excited about all of the cool things we're doing in the show. It's not going to be stagnant. Like we've kind of been status quo for a little bit. This show is going to get bigger and better each and every week. So you'll definitely want to tune in. And if you've got any friends that are Titans fans or just football fans or enjoy listening to incredibly intelligent people talk about football, tell them about the show, share it with them, send it to them, whatever. We appreciate the grassroots effort. Before we get into the winners and losers from this game, I want to tell you that um, you can now watch the show on YouTube. I don't know if people are aware of this. They should be at this point. But, uh, yeah, you can do that now. It's a video show. So if you're listening on podcast, you can see our pretty faces and watch it like a television show on YouTube. Just go subscribe to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube, and you can check out this show in video form, the Mike Herndon Show, the free version or the full version if you become a Broadway insider. Or football and other F-words, also in video form on YouTube, as well as other shows and content in video form coming to YouTube shortly in the near future. Some behind-the-scenes planning going on there. <clears throat> but let's talk about this game. Titans won an ugly one, so everybody take a drink because uh, the Titans do nothing but win ugly games. And they bested the Broncos by a touchdown at Nissan Stadium on Sunday. They played the first half of this game was... I, I struggle to say the ugliest half they've played. They've played a couple of really ugly halves. It was one of the ugliest that they've played all season long. Looked lethargic, looked slow, looked bad. They got out to a 10-0 lead. The Broncos, that is, got out to a 10-0 lead. Titans, uncharacteristically bad first half and, and didn't have any life until the final two minutes of the first half in which the Titans went tempo on offense and the two men at offense drove right down the field. It looked like they had some life for the first time all day. And it was the spark that they needed because they came back out after half with some of that life. And ultimately there's 17 unanswered points in this one. It was just too much for this struggling Denver offense to match a whole lot went wrong for this Titans team in this game. We're going to talk all about it today, but a whole lot went right as well. And as we've kind of grown accustomed to, just enough went right for this team for them to get the win. So I wrote the winners and losers article that we're going to be using for reference for this show. We're basically going through it in its entirety, but also talking about each topic in more depth than you're getting reading it. But if you'd also like to read it, you can go to broadwaysportsmedia.com. It's live now. It was live last night. You can check it out. I usually do six total uh, awards of winners and losers, three winners and three losers. This week, I've done a double Excel edition of the article because maybe because it's I was telling JT before the show this it feels like the last two weeks have been the first Titans football in a while that wasn't excruciatingly boring between Colts commanders bye week Colts Texans that was rough it was a rough month stretch of some 
not bad football necessarily, but really boring football from a narrative standpoint, from my job standpoint, was kind of tough. This game, as well as last week against the Chiefs, a lot of stuff to dive into. So double the size. we got six winners, six losers. We're going to get to all of them today, and we're going to keep the show under an hour. That is my oath to you and to JT, who doesn't want to have to sit and listen to me talk any longer than that, and I can't blame him. So let's talk about these winners and losers. JT, if you wouldn't mind, could you please give us our first winner today? Yeah, so we're going to start off with a winner here, and it's no surprise that this is the first one we're going to talk about today. It's the defensive front depth. Absolutely. So sometimes it feels like this Titans team is two different teams. It's like the defensive front and everybody else. While Tennessee has spent all season struggling with razor thin depth at most positions, as we've talked about ad nauseum on the show, their pass rush pass rush personnel has taken a licking and they keep on ticking, man. They are incredible with the depth on this team, just how effective they are. And they've been demonstrating that for a couple of weeks now, but in this game, they really showed out <clears throat> Dylan Cole, Mario Edwards and Naquan Jones all got themselves a sack Demarcus Walker and Rashad Weaver had one and a half sacks each all told the Titans got home to Russell Wilson for six sacks on 18 quarterback hits. And the truly amazing part of all of this is how they did it without two of their four leading pass rushers in the game. No Jeffrey Simmons, no Bud Dupree. They were rolling with some guys that is kind of a band of misfits out there, like Dylan Cole, a guy that was, I believe, undrafted. Mario Edwards, guy they picked up off the street this year. Naquan Jones, undrafted. Demarcus Walker, I believe, undrafted. Rashawn Weaver, drafted, but has really risen to prominence this year as a marquee starter for this team. Tennessee's personnel department and coaching staff clearly have a knack for finding and developing these really more than serviceable depth pieces on the defensive front. And they deserve to be commended for that and how they consistently find guys off the street to coach up and play good ball when they're needed. I talked in the locker room after the game today to Rashad Weaver, who uh, is a, a leader now of that defensive front, especially on days like this, when some of those leaders are out, I talked to him just about the culture and what he attributes all this success to. JT, let's play that clip. Not many teams in the league can get like five sacks when you got two or three of your best pass rushers out. What do you think is it about this team? I mean, they're, this team's so good at finding guys at depth positions in, in on the defensive front. What do you think it is about the coaches or maybe the culture that's just the next guy up? Yeah, again, I think it's just everybody on this team can play in the National Football League and sure. can play at a high level, so I think Again, next man up, it's be prepared like a starter because when the opportunity comes, you don't want to waste it. What's the culture like in that room? Is it is a pretty un unselfish culture of guys? Everybody kind of assumes they're all going to contribute one way or another? Definitely, especially in that outside linebacker room. Everybody's trying to help each other. If one guy's been on pass rushing on the same guy the whole game and someone else is going to get over there, you're trying to help them out, give them tips. You want everybody to eat. Uh, you know, when guys around you are pass rushing well, you might get some freebies. And when you're, you're pass rushing well, you'll help out other guys, maybe get some freebies, and it's just complimentary football. So, like you said, this team does a, a fantastic job with that next man-up mentality on the defensive front. And frankly, if only that ability translated to some of the other positions on this team, they may not be struggling as much as they have been with certain depth issues. Yeah, let's go to our next uh, up on here on the docket. Our first loser of the week, of course. First loser, yep. With the defensive front depth, it goes hand in hand of why we, they have such great depth. And it's because the defensive health is in shambles. Yeah, man, the injuries will continue apace until it proves around here. The Titans have already had a terrible season so far with the injuries. Uh, no, not unlike last season when it was a historic disaster there right on pace to match that same clip of uh, disastrous injuries. And on the injury front coming into today's competition, it was already a mess, including players on IR. These were the Titans defenders that were missing six starters. These six guys, defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons, outside linebacker, Bud Dupree, outside linebacker, Harold Landry, cornerback, Christian Fulton, safety, Amani Hooker, and inside linebacker, Zach Cunningham. So for those of you keeping score at home, that is more than half of the starters on that side of the ball. 
But the nightmare did not end there. Oh, no. Things stayed awful all game for this training staff. Here is a brief synopsis that I wrote down of all of the injuries sustained during this game. You had safety Lonnie Johnson carted into the locker room with a hamstring injury, was quickly ruled out of the game. Defensive tackle Kevin Strong went down and spent some time in the medical tent on the sideline. Cornerback Caleb Farley was ruled out with a back injury sustained on special teams. Guy can't catch a break. Linebacker David Long Jr. got banged up and spent some time on the sideline with training staff. Luckily, he came back into the game, but there's no telling what the situation is with him this week on a short week and what his injury situation is. That's a starter, by the way. Another starter, cornerback Elijah Molden, was ruled out of this game with a groin injury in the second half. He promptly went into the locker room with training staff and was never seen again even after the game. We did not see him in the locker room. He had gotten out of dodge. He barely came back before he had to leave again with injury. It's it's a struggle for him. You know, he was only activated this week off of the injury report. And, uh, you know, it, it stinks to constantly be dealing with, with him being out, frankly, because I want so badly to be able to watch some of these cornerbacks on the team play in the positions they're meant to play in. Roger McCreary keeps having to sub in in the nickel and in, in dime looks because he can't play on the outside without guys like Elijah Molden who can come in and play the slot. He belongs on the outside, and this team as a whole will be so much better with that piece in place. But unfortunately, as long as Elijah Molden continues to be injured, it, that's just going to be the case for this team. So it's it's truly a miracle that this defense played so well in this game despite their injuries and, and playing on a short week ahead this week on Thursday Night Football in Green Bay at Lambeau. Tennessee's weekly schedule is accelerated. So that means the first injury report of the week will come out on Monday, today, if you're listening to it. And uh, it's it's sure to be a few positions shy of a complete roster. I was talking to JT before the show. Like, I think you may be able to roster a full 22-man football team from this injury report. We're entering the territory of it might be easier. We might save paper by having them list the players that are available for the team. It's going to be a, the longest list you've ever seen. I doubt we're going to be able to fit it on one page on Twitter. The sicko part of me can't wait can't wait to see it, but um, it's terrible news for the Titans. And luckily, I guess you could say, the Packers have a ton of injury issues as well. So it'll be the injury bowl next week, and uh, the Titans have to get healthy or else it, the depth works against a bad Broncos offense, but against a playoff offense, you, you got to have your starters out there, and they got to get healthy down the stretch. Let's move to the other side of the ball and get a couple of winners and losers on the offense. Of course, we talked about how ugly of a game it was, but the Titans had to get it done somehow, and it came through the air. So our winner for the offense today is winning the, the offensive game through the air. Yeah, winning through the air is a winner in this game to me. It didn't really hit me until after the game. I was thinking back on it, looking at the stats and everything like, wow, this is this is a pretty uncharacteristic, rare win for the Titans, one in which they rep- they relied more on the arm of Ryan Tannehill than on the legs of Derrick Henry. You never would have guessed that it would come in this game against the NFL's best passing defense. Pat Sertain and the guys over there on the Broncos corner in the Broncos cornerback room are fantastic. And somehow the Titans had their first passing win of the year against them, dare I say. Tannehill. He went 19 for 36 for 255 yards and two touchdowns while Tennessee only ran the ball 19 times with Henry and managed just 63 yards on the ground as a team. So Ryan Tannehill, he completed passes to seven different receivers, the most since week five at Washington for Tennessee. And while this team is certainly built to be a ground and pound offense, the fact that they demonstrated that they can get it done through the air That's essential to me just for them to prove that they'll be able to contend in the postseason. That's that's a that's a big deal for this team. And I count this performance far from full strength. You know, Ryan Tannehill, definitely not a full strength out there. You've got uh, key wide receivers out trailing Burks in his first game back. In fact, I talked to Mike. I asked Mike Vrabel in his press conference after the game today about how he thought Traylon Burks looked in his first game back halfway expecting, not halfway fully expecting the answer that he gave because he loves to give 
Burks a hard time in press conferences for one reason or another, just chalk it up to tough love, I suppose. Here's what he had to say about Burks in his first game back. Play clip four, please. Some inconsistency, but you know, I was able to catch a couple balls, and you know we just got to continue to work them in there. You yeah. understand how his, how his games played, played fast-paced, and continue to work on all the little things and the communication with Ryan and, and how we're, we're subbing him in and all those just little things because you know we're working him back in. It's just not going to be in every snap. Man. You head straight to. So, again, I don't know why he he constantly – and look, I mean, in this game, Burks deserved that. Frankly, he had a fine game, but he had some rough moments, was kind of invisible at times, wasn't getting open clearly, or else maybe just lacking chemistry with Ryan Tannehill because Tannehill didn't look his way very often. Um, And he did have have one PBU in this game. He accidentally – and, and you, I don't know if we can chuck this up to Traylon Burks's fault. I think it was probably a really poorly schemed route. Otherwise, he just ran it entirely wrong, one or the other. Um, but he accidentally got in the way of a pass that was not intended for him. It was intended for, uh, I believe, one of the running backs. I don't, I forget if it was Hilliard or Henry. I think it was Hilliard. Either way, he kind of knocked it down, and it would have been a first down, and the Titans ended up having to punt. I also talked to Ryan Tannehill in this game, speaking of being not 100%, asked him in his press conference availability about his ankle, because obviously that's the big point of concern. And we'll talk about this more later in the week before the Packers game. But I wonder, in in this game, clearly he was good enough to play, but still hampered by that ankle. Let's play the clip first, and then I'll give my thoughts. Here were his thoughts on the big run that he had um, in the very end of the first half. He scrambled for a first down, which set up the eventual touchdown to get the Titans on the board. I asked him about if he tested his ankle at all this week in terms of sprinting, running away from guys, nipping at his heels, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I definitely had tested that, and uh, I didn't feel too good, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, necessity there. You know, pocket got money. Things weren't clean downfield and was able to, uh, to score down there. So he he came up from that play a little hobbled. We saw him kind of limping around, and, and he said after the game that it didn't feel good. And, and you know, he also talked about in his post-game press conference just how it's one of those injuries that he's going to have to wait and see how he feels in the morning, that that's what he's anxious to see once he's cooled down and his body starts to go into recovery just how badly is that ankle sore? Just how much has playing in the game maybe set back his ankle recovery? Because, of course, he's pushing to play before he's fully healthy on a short week. I think it's going to be interesting to see just how back to ready to play he might can get in just three or four very short days. So, you know, I, I count this game far from full strength as a as a passing grade, pun intended, through the air. Um, I think that the Titans did a very nice job. Let's move on to a loser on the offensive side of the ball. Someone who we really wouldn't expect to end up here, but it's just how it happened today. Uh, one of our losers today, our second one, is Derrick Henry. I know. Derrick Henry, usually one of the winners in the game. And I, I thought long and hard about giving this looter, loser title to Henry and the offensive line, or maybe the Titans running game. But listen, if Derrick is going to get the praise when he has an elite game, He's got to wear the criticism on an off day, whether you believe his success is mostly attributable to him or mostly attributable to the Titans run blocking personnel. We, as a society, as a media and fans, we tend to give that praise to Henry. So we got to give him the criticism as well. He only had a pedestrian 53 yards on 19 carries in this game, which is good for a very poor 2.8 yards per carry. And while it's only fair, I think to point out, that the Broncos defense is one of the top three units in the league. Just as a total defense, I think they are arguably one or two. They were missing some key parts in this game that should have meant that Henry was at an advantage in the run game, but that wasn't the case. And Henry had one of his worst rushing days in a win that I think we've ever seen from him. It also wasn't a great day from the offensive line in terms of blocking, but I didn't feel like, they from the eye test. And again, I'll have to watch the film this week and I'll get back to you if I change my mind, but just the eye test 
the way that I kind of differentiate between a running back playing well or poorly versus a offensive line blocking well or poorly is, is the running back able to get to their third, fourth, fifth step? How often are they able to get ahead of steam before they are the defense makes contact with them? And I felt like for most of the day today, Henry got to his third or fourth step before making contact. I felt like you wasn't seeing the field super well in this game. Of course, you could tell the Broncos sold out entirely to, to shut him down in this game, which is the right way to approach it. Make the Titans beat you through the air. They managed to do just that. But Henry just had an off day. And listen, I mean, that's going to happen to every elite player in the NFL in the history of any sport. They have some off days. And that's that's what he had in this game. I talked to Ben Jones, leader of the Titans offensive line center, about just how he feels about this offensive line going into the back half of the year. Let's hear his thoughts, JT. That's clip number seven. There and we wish we had some runs and stuff back, but we'll fix it on tape and hey, they play their tails off. As a unit, do you feel like you guys are making strides each and every week? And this team, historically, you guys finished the year really strong with the line. The, the coaching clearly is, is really well done. And you guys cohesively get things going towards the end of the year. Do you feel like that's where you're trending this year? Yeah, that's our goal every year. Um, you're trying to, the more you play together, the more you, you get comfortable guys. And you got to back like 2-2, two, two, you just keep grinding away. And when it's, when it's cold out there, you keep running the ball. And we know how to win here. We know how to, we run the ball and play good defense. Do you prefer to play in the cold? Doesn't matter. Doesn't as matter long as you. I get to play on, the, on a Sunday or any day they call, no matter what the weather is, I'm out there. Thanks, man. So I had to slip that last question in there because if you know anything about the Titans, you know, Ben Jones is famous in cold games. Well, actually in every game, but it sticks out in cold games. He does a very early pregame walk around the field, just a a little jaunt, kind of a superstition thing for him or a, a routine thing for him, but he does it barefoot. He likes to feel the grass on his toes and, uh, he does that rain, snow or shine. And so, I had to ask him about if he loves to play in the cold. I think that he does. He gave, he gave you that smirk. You can tell he's kind of a football sicko. He's a man's man. He likes to play in the cold and get a little rough when it's freezing outside and just out tough you. And that's, I mean, if that's not Ben Jones, I don't know what is. He's the definition of tough. We've talked about that before. I think that this offensive line did a decent enough job today. I think Henry needed to do a little bit better. Um, but it is interesting to see this offensive line in the pass protection, I, I'm seeing no I mean, JT, are you seeing any signs of improvement in pass pro from this team? Just eye test? Because I'm not. It, it From what I watched basically in what was the two-minute drills and when it was kind of getting close towards the end there, there's still just so many instances where you kind of just have to scratch your head and it's, what what are they doing? It, it seems <laughs> like it gets better and then they just let you down once again and you, you realize, oh, this is one of the uh, bottom half groups in the league. Yep, agreed. And we've thought that before, and we've been proven wrong before. They have, in recent seasons, more than one that I can think of, gone from a bottom half unit in the first half of the season to a like middle of the road, slightly better than average unit in the second half of the season, which who, who's to say that? I mean, Keith Carter does a fantastic job with the offensive line on this team. He's, he's done it time and again. We'll just have to see if he can whip this group into shape. If he does, I think it'll be his most miraculous um, miracle worker job yet. So let's wait and see. Let's move on to our next winner. Yeah. Our third winner on the day is someone who we really haven't called his name all season. If, if anything, we've been very critical of him at times, but we have to give this winner to Nick Westbrook Akine today for basically the NWI game. This what where were you for the NWI game? He had a roller coaster week, didn't he, man? I mean, after the Titans wide receivers last week in Kansas City had perhaps the worst performance the league has seen all year in terms of a wide receiver room in a single game on Sunday night football, no less in in primetime under the lights in front of the entire nation. Westbrook Akine, he he took some heat in the press this entire week, really for his play in that game, as well as his comments after the game, defending the Titans receivers and talking about how he felt like they'd made plays early in the season and they didn't get any credit for it. All of that aside, I'm not, I'm not here to, to go through the dirty laundry last week. I was honeymooning last week. Frankly, I don't care what he said. What I know is that I was here today 
watching him play. And in week 10, he started out similar, similarly poorly, which prompted me tweeting out that NWI is incapable of making contested catches lately, which is particularly unfortunate considering he can't get any separation, um, which is, I mean, statistically true in this game, we are yet to see the metrics. Maybe he had a much better day in that regard. Most of his big plays, if I'm remembering correctly, came from him finding the soft spot of the zone, which is not a knock. It, elite receivers eat by finding the soft spot of the zone. It's a skill. So he did a great job of that today. He also was the beneficiary of a massive trick play, but he made a play, made a guy miss and caught the ball and ran the route and like he did his job. So we got to commend him for that. Got a couple of clips from speaking to him in the locker room after the game. JT, let's play the first one. It's clip number three. He's talking about the the things that he thought about this week during his his media circus of sorts and what his mentality was like personally. This game was like if you live by the praise of men, you'll die by their criticism. That just that hit me last night, and I feel like we carried that into the end of the day. Just not worrying about what other people say, you know. They can say whatever they want. We just got to be ourselves. Um, I thought that was really cool. He he was talking about how that was something that they were discussing in chapel with the team, which I think is, is really great that he's a part of that. And the team is, is doing those things. But he said they were talking about, I'll repeat his quote that if you, and even if you're not religious, this is a great thing to live by. If you live by the praise of man, then you'll die by the criticism. And, and that is a really um, wise mantra, a wise thing to live by. A lot of guys, I think, in the NFL or just in life would say that kind of thing, and, and you would think it's them trying to humble brag a little bit after a, a big performance. But with Nick, I get the impression that he's just a genuine guy like that, so you can't knock him for that. He clearly saw the criticism during this game, tweets like mine, and decided to symbolically stuff me and everybody else on Twitter into a locker with the rest of his play in this game because – he was outstanding in the final three quarters. He finished the day with five catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns. If you had him in fantasy, by the way, great week. Sell high now. Sell not to not to knock Nick, but sell, sell, sell. Try to sell him high. Uh, Nick Westbrook Akine became the Titans' first 100-yard receiver in 2022, which is both congrats to him and also woof. It's t- it's been two and a half months, and they've only had one 100-yard receiver. He averaged 23.8 yards per reception, and it was his 63-yard touchdown catch on that flea flicker that was the most memorable part of the game. He also made a spectacular toe-tapping catch in the end zone to secure the Titans' first touchdown at the end of the first quarter. That flea flicker, flicker, by the way, side note, we talked to Tannehill and Vrabel about that after the game. Vrabel, predictably, didn't want to talk about it. Um, we asked Tannehill about if that was in the game plan and he said that it was, and that they just, it was a matter of if they were going to call it because of course the game plan is full of plays that don't end up getting called as well as when, and they felt like they picked the perfect time and, and they did. I mean, they exploited a perfect lull in the action there. They, I think they pulled the right, the right, they pushed the right button pulling the trigger there when they did. And they got an, an easy seven, which ultimately was the seven that won them the game. And so listen, if, if NWI can, expertly find the soft spot of zones like this and turn up field for some nice yards after catch on a consistent basis, then Tennessee might have a real passing game on their hands. I'll wait and see if he can keep this level of play up before we jump to any grand conclusions. Listen, he's still not to, not to rain on the parade here, but he is still a guy that is not going to get much separation. And he's also going to be, average at best in terms of contested catches but if he can harness the ability the skill to find these soft spots of zones sit down in them get the ball and then he is a big bodied guy he can go down the field and and break tackles and make a guy miss and run guys over like the yards after catch ability is there with nwi he's just got to get the ball first and and working in the zone is perfect Working against these defensive zones is perfect for him as a as a receiver type. So if he can really start to do that, then he might be a decent wide receiver threat for the Titans. That you once they're it, I say once, knock on wood. If all the receiver talent is healthy, 
you might see him get some pretty good rotational play in there and be able to hang with the best receivers the Titans have to offer. Alrighty, let's move on to our final and third loser of this first segment here. Let's talk about someone who we've seen a lot of in the last two weeks, and they clearly want to keep putting him in the game, but it just doesn't seem to work out. Our third loser is Malik Willis. Stop with the Malik Willis gadget plays. Stop it. They are uh, super not working. Like every single time the Malik gadget plays gets pulled out of the playbook treasure chest. It is an unmitigated nightmare. He, so Willis, if you didn't watch the game, and I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, if you didn't watch the game, but maybe you're relying on us to recap it for you. Love that. He lost a fumble on his sole play of the game, just like he did a couple weeks ago when he had that failed end around attempt handoff from Ryan Tannehill, I believe against the Colts, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he fumbled there and he lost the ball both times. He, he, it became, I don't know. It, it really in, in the press box, it became this argument. I, I think I also saw it on Twitter amongst the fans. It became a blame game situation with some people angry at Todd Downing for getting too cute. And some were angry at Willis for not securing the ball. The correct party to blame is, and I hope you're sitting down for this, both of them. This is clearly not working. Willis playing actual QB snaps, totally different discussion entirely. And if you want to hear our thoughts on this, go back to the last episode. We talked to his personal QB coach, QB coach, Sean McAvoy, with some great insight on him playing quarterback. But in this gadget role, he's been a disaster. Downing has to resist the urge to call these cutesy plays, especially when Tennessee is in control of these games. They were in control of this game today when they pulled the trigger on that one and gave the ball up near midfield and gave the Broncos life for no reason, for no reason. On the other hand, Malik Willis is a professional athlete. Like it's far from outrageous to expect him to be able to handle snaps and handoffs and other basic ball security tasks. I was talking to Paul Kaharski about this uh, from Outkick360 and paulkaharski.com after the game. Like, and he was harping on people being mad at Downing being ridiculous, that it's you should expect more from Willis. I get that. I think that they both deserve blame, but he's got a point that like Willis has the physical traits to excel in this role. He does, but he's achieving the opposite of the desired outcome by handing out footballs like Halloween candy right now. He's got to figure it out and fix whatever the problem is. So he's a loser today for sure. And that's going to do it for this first half of the winners and losers segment. Like I said, we've got another half of them to talk about, but not until we get to the news with JT. But first, but first, before we get to the news, if you are a business owner in middle Tennessee, and you're looking for advertising opportunities, we would love to talk to you about advertising with us here on the Hot Read Podcast or on one of our other Broadway sports media shows or on our website. Reach out to us via social media or email the website, and we'd love to discuss those possibilities to reach thousands of people in the Middle Tennessee area via podcast and video and hundreds of thousands of impressions on social media we would love to uh, basically small local businesses supporting other local businesses. So that's, that's the goal here. And we'd love to just have a conversation with you about it. So reach out to us if that is you. All right, producer JT, let's do some Titans news. Alrighty, let's jump into some news. And of course we have to talk about the best bet gauntlet for this week. Yes. And someone is very excited and someone is not. I wonder who is who currently. It's me. Let's I'm excited because I killed you. Tell me yeah, all about how I killed you, JT. All righty. So today I did not do good. There are a couple picks that I, before talking to Easton, I would have taken back, mostly because I did not do my homework this week. That is on me. My bad. I went one and four today, which brings my record to 22, 24, and four. And not Easton, bad. not bad. Yeah, not bad. Hey, and I will say, I will say, I've. I have to, all right, let me step into the confessional booth. It's time for another mea culpa. I said I wasn't picking the Jaguars anymore. And on the show, I'm not. I'm not. But I may have put some of my real earned U.S. dollars on the Jacksonville Jaguars backing your bet, which I thought was a good bet. And it it was. It, it was. was. They, uh, 
It was. They lost half by 10. The line was half nine and a half. Point. Vegas, they don't build those casinos on yeah. losers. So that's how it goes. But yeah, anyways, tell day. me about how great I did. You currently are three and one. We are pending the uh, Chargers 49ers game that we yeah, so are recording on. this in right the in the middle of. What's the score? I've not checked in a while. Oh, there's only a minute left in the game. And they are currently down six points. What was the spread in this game? Seven it was and like a seven half. and a half. I think so. Oh, electric. So, so, so I'm gonna go four we're looking, we're looking, we're looking to go four and one, barring anything else. Very exciting for you, going to 27, 21, and three. Oh so no! You, you were Herbert just threw an interception, so it might be three and two. <laughs> it might be three and two. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully, the the Niners just kneel it out and they lose by. Yeah, six. of course you listeners will know, and oh, none oh, of this matters right now. Yeah, you're right. A winning Currently, week. That's all that matters. A winning week a win for you separates a little bit. I need to come back better than ever next week, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do. But I, mean, I would until... call you dead for going one and four, but you did that twice in a row to start the season, and then you came all the way back. So. Until the fat lady sings, I'm not counting you out. It's a tough week, but we'll rebound. Let's talk about this Titans and Broncos game, of course. As we were talking about earlier, if you were living under a rock and didn't actually watch this game and are counting on us, here you go. If you Hang on. If you are, if you didn't watch the game, but you're listening to this podcast, can you please email us or DM us on Twitter? Like, I want to know who you are and what's wrong with you and maybe have you on the show to talk about why you're sick in the head. I'm so curious. Does <laughs> anybody that listens to this show that didn't watch the game Please reach out. I need to talk to you. Anyways. The Titans, of course, defeated the Broncos 17 to 10. And let's talk about a couple key plays for the Broncos side that were really basically their entire key and their downfall today. Uh, one of the biggest uh, parts of the game today was Jerry Judy leaving the game early, early in this contest with a knee injury. It was the first play of it the was, game? It was first or second play of the game. Either yeah. way, he was helped off the side and was seen being carted into the locker room shortly afterwards. So that led to, uh, once again, the Titans love giving up big, ridiculous plays to unknown people. And today, it went to Jalen Virgil, who Great point, scored Jake. the only touchdown of the day for the Broncos on a 66-yard broken coverage reception TD there. You have Matt Collins. I don't even remember what the commander's guy named, but he was somebody who has it not. Was, um, it was um, uh, Amari Rogers or um, no, that, that's Packers. I don't remember no, his name. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find it while you talk. You're gonna go find it, but it's something. It's something with these random wide receivers that he only caught one ball on the day and was targeted we talk about times. that all the time on this show i can't believe i it's, didn't draw that parallel that's a great it's point. kind of ridiculous that there are just no names that just find their way to make one play and that's all that the broncos have one today. massive play though it's always one bomb and you're like oh my gosh is that Cortland? no it no it's who? not Virgil? Who who's yeah. virgil <laughs> yeah Anyways, either way hang on. it wasn't looking good for the Titans as Diami Brown. Diami Brown, Brown was the commander's, there commander's game. Yeah. Just Anyways, out of nowhere. It's all they it do. It did not look good for the Titans at the start because they indeed started slow. The Titans in the first half had 116 yards. 70 of those yards came on that final drive at the two minute mark. They were three for nine on first downs and had six punts. Of course, they turned it around, but kind of uncharacteristic for this Titans team who usually starts pretty fast in these games. It is it's usually flipped, um, and I guess I don't guess. I know the second you'd rather be good in the second half than in the first half, so that's good, I guess. For a while in this game, we were actively on Twitter tracking punts versus points because for more than half of the game, there were more punts than points. Um, for a while there, it was like thirteen punts to seven points or ten points, so it was ugly. And these two teams were kind of setting back football fifty years for a half, but then they they figured it out. They got it under control enough to make it a watchable 2022 football game sort of but yeah very uncharacteristic for the titans curious to see if that trend continues part of me thinks jt and tell me if you agree with this part of me thinks that it may just have been a natural product of Tannehill coming back having to get into the flow trust his ankle not focus on the pain focus on the game you know what i mean because he seems to really loosen up in the second half and he played his best ball down the stretch of the game no for sure and i think with how good that uh, Broncos defense is, of course, you're going to try to take Henry as w uh, away as much as possible. Yep. And not to mention, you have a bunch of key offensive players coming back, mo mostly in Ryan Tannehill and Traylon Burks. They're yep. not going to be on the same page, which 
start you're gonna start out slow regardless of how good you are just getting yep. back into that action is big however let's move on to just keep talking about this decimated defense here however All week get ready it's what we're doing it's it's just maybe Wednesday show before the Thursday night game is just gonna be us doing injury report. We're just gonna it's, go down the list. And we might be able to do an hour of content there. Just maybe. reading names? No, I think you're right. Despite the defense being decimated, they still were able to put up six sacks on Russell Wilson, which is good for a sixth straight game for the Titans with three or more stat sacks. So they continue their streak of dominance. Whoever they're throwing out there, they're still yep. continuing to produce which is a good thing. How long that'll last, we'll have to see. Of course, we'd love to see some of these starters getting back on the field, but it's good to know that the depth is there for them. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think it'll be so fast. I mean, again, like I said, the Wednesday episode, which by the way, we'll talk about this later, but weird schedule with the Thursday night football. Stick around to the end of the show to, to find out when shows will be out. The next episode before the Packers game, we'll be mostly talking about injuries and I think it's fascinating how we're going to see if some of these guys that were held out of this game were a strategic move to make sure they were ready by Thursday night football for, you know, I, I doubt that it was, but I think some of these guys might be ready to come back for Thursday night football. Like Jeffrey Simmons wouldn't shock me at all if he's ready to play in this game. Um, so yeah, the, all these starters out Fulton, we don't really know the nature of his injury quite yet Dupree that hip we know that it's the same hip we just don't know how long it's going to take for him to feel better so yeah it'll be fascinating to watch let's move on to some just more general NFL news and we have to talk about the game of the day the game of the year maybe the game of the last five years yeah, I mean, we have to talk about the Vikings going in to Buffalo and defeating the Bills 33-30 in overtime in what was just a back and forth game you like that you like that? You like you like that? <laughs> you know, this game really was a unstoppable force in the Buffalo Bills team of destiny running into an immovable object in Kirk Cousins at 1 p.m. <laughs> yes. I, I really <laughs> yes. just saw it coming. I really thought um, in the first part of this game, it was 27-10, but they really, despite the score, did not seem like they were out of it. And you can say no. how, however much you want of how dominant they were the bills were just not they were not all there today they're showing some cracks in the past couple of weeks like this team they're very good don't get me wrong they are and they are going to no matter what happens in the regular season they're getting to the postseason they're going to be a force to reckon with because they have josh allen assuming he is healthy which you know we never know assuming he's healthy and ready to go in the playoffs this team is going to be scary however they are showing some cracks in the armor and for a good portion of the season we were talking about NFL wide like oh man it's kind of a bunch of good-ish teams with big flaws and then the Bills and the Chiefs and the Eagles like if there's two or three teams that are really good well, I, the Eagles we'll see tomorrow night you know against the divisional team if there's they kind of showed some cracks against Houston a little bit although they could have just been sleepwalking through that game the Chiefs definitely have shown some cracks almost losing to Malik Willis and lost to the Colts which is still the most bizarre win of the year and like they aren't a perfect team the bills definitely not a perfect team they've got some real flaws and they're just too josh allen dependent it's wild because we were talking about this before the show jt if, if the titans had ryan Tannehill in that game last week i'm confident they would have won it and if they had won that game with or without ryan Tannehill, if they had just won they would today be sitting in sole possession of first place in the afc the bills are currently in third in their division they're behind the Jets and they're behind the Dolphins. They have a six and three record, I believe, but they're 0 and two in their division. And that's a big deal if you got two other teams in the division that are keeping pace with you record wise. They're going to have to start getting some divisional wins or they could screw around and not win their division, which would be a nightmare for them after being the team of destiny all year long. Definitely for sure. Let's talk about the AFC South, because why not? You gotta keep up with the division, even though it kind of seems like it's over already in just early, mid-November. But let's talk about the Jags and Texans, of course, dropping games to the Chiefs and the Giants, respectively. So that creates an even wider gap in the AFC South. And then, of course, the Jeff Saturday era oh, begins baby. with a red-hot start. 
I personally, I was, you can go back on Friday's show, and of course, you can see it in my best bet gauntlet take. I thought they were going to get, they were going to get absolutely <laughs> trashed. But you of did. course, I, that maybe is my team. You don't bet the Jags, I don't bet the Raiders, because they maybe me down. I think it's those are true. our two teams. Yeah. Besides the point, this Jeff Saturday thing could be a really good thing for the rest of the AFC South. Oh, I think it totally is, JT. I think that it is. I mean, listen, I tweeted this out, and we were talking about it before the show. If the Jeff Saturday era for the Colts is kind of electric, Titans fans, Jags fans, Texans fans, AFC fans, they should be happy and celebrate that because this Colts team is done. They're not going anywhere this year. As constituted, they're not going anywhere anywhere at any time, in my opinion. They need to tank and rebuild. And... Although they're probably going to have a bad record anyways, if they win a couple more of these games and get to four, five, six, seven, eight wins on the season, they're going to win their way out of the CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis competition. They'll win their way out of being able to, in the draft, go and get a real potential franchise QB, which is exactly what Titans fans should want. And then the Raiders will tank their way into Bryce Young or CJ Stroud and the Colts in classic Colts fashion. will get sloppy seconds of the Raiders and get Derek Carr in 2026. And, and then it'll be a nightmare. But I have to say this tangentially, how much of a punch in the nuts is it to Frank Reich that this guy can come in to the Colts organization as the new head coach. And, you know, he, Jeff Saturday's got rapport with the Colts, but he's not ever been a head coach in college or in the NFL. He can come in there and just lay it on the table and say, okay, first order of business. Remember when you, from the top down, benched Matt Ryan like 10 seconds ago? We're bringing him back. He's the new starter. And then after being benched, after playing like very reasonable, I think, understandable football at times really gritty and tough and flashes of good before he got benched for the Colts in some dire circumstances he's brought back and looks good um I think that that was moronic that they ever did it in the first place and good on Jeff Saturday for bringing him back but what kind of pull did Frank Reich have in that locker room in that front office with ownership that he was just being told that he has to bench somebody and then this no name in terms of coaching comes in and immediately is like, yeah, we're bringing him back. I don't care what anybody else says. That's rough. It really is rough. And uh, good or bad, I'm very excited to see how the Jeff Saturday experiment continues. And Me that's too. all we got today for the news. All right. That is JT with the news. We have got three more winners and three more losers that I promise we'll be more brief with than we were with the first ones. We had video clips for the first ones. These, I just have thoughts, but fascinating thoughts nonetheless. And before we get into that, I have to mention that if you aren't already subscribed to the Hot Read podcast, what are you doing? Subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review. Say whatever you want. We'll shout you out on the show. Please actually go and subscribe this time. I know every show you've ever listened to has asked you to do it and you ignore them. I do it too for all these big national shows, you know, these shows that have 20,000 reviews. It's like, they, what's my, my reviews are drop in the bucket. Who cares? We don't have 20,000 reviews. We have in the tens to hundreds of reviews and every single one matters to us to be able to sell the show and in, in the algorithm and all of that stuff. I promise it's important to us. The 10 seconds it takes you to do it means so much more to us truly than it does to you so if you can do that say whatever you want we'll shout you out on the show we have a new one today that we're going to read at the end of the show so we're going to shout him out or him or her and uh and read uh, their review which i can't wait to uh, unpackage in mailbag form here so definitely subscribe if you're not already tell your friends to subscribe send the show to, to one person that you think might like it it's very helpful to us we'll appreciate it all right let's talk about these other winners and losers jt our first winner for the back half of the show. Our fourth winner on the day. Fourth winner, first of the back half of the show. Let's keep it on the offensive front here. And let's talk about Austin Hooper, who is our <laughs> fourth winner of the day. Yeah, so this is really, I mean, short but sweet, my thoughts on him. Just an appreciation post, really, for how Austin Hooper has quietly become a key contributor in this Titans passing game. I remember vividly, JT, on one of the first shows we did together back in August, talking about Titans in fantasy. And me talking about how I thought Austin Hooper might eventually become a guy that 
would be a like a viable tight end in a big league or a flex tight end in a, in a pinch. He was not that for like five weeks. Then he joined the party in Nashville against Indianapolis in their second meeting. He came up big in some key spots for the Titans in that game. And then every game since, he's been coming up in key spots for the Titans. Not any huge flashy games in terms of catches or recept or touchdowns or anything like that, but situationally, he's been really, really fantastic. Against Denver in this game, he had five receptions on seven targets for 41 yards, picked up a pair of key first downs for an offense that really just needs all the playmakers that it can get at this point. He started the year as a disappointment, but he's blossomed into a nice receiving option. And I think it's one that the Titans should continue to use more and more down the stretch. No, I'm not. I'm surprised why they haven't used him more. And I think mm-hmm. for sure, if you're in those 12 man to 15 man deeper leagues, he might be a good option going forward for you. Let's talk about someone who shouldn't be in your lineups at all, or even on <laughs> your team. Definitely yeah. someone I would consider dropping. Let's talk about our, Next loser on today's game, Robert Woods. So, JT, we've been hesitant on this show to be definitive with Robert Woods, but I'm ready to make a definitive statement on him. And it's I say it's definitive. It's I'm kind of splitting the baby here. Robert Woods, at this point, he is either washed or he is just not right physically. He had yet another disappointing day, catching only two of his seven targets for a measly 10 yards. Ryan Tannehill was clearly interested in getting him the ball, but Woods couldn't make a contested catch. And that's really the crux of the issue for him. A lot like with NWI, Woods is constantly trying to make contested catches because he can't get any separation. If you're constantly having to make contested catches, that means that you're not separating from your receiver or from your cornerbacks. And that's a problem for you as a receiver. I've wondered aloud on this show and in writing if Woods maybe perhaps still hampered by his ACL injury last season. Like we've seen this kind of injury pretty often, actually keep players from regaining their top gear immediately upon returning in that season afterwards. We saw it with Bud Dupree last year. Saw it with Ryan or not Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Well, with Ryan Tannehill years ago, when he tore his ACL, we saw it with Taylor Lewan last year. Like sometimes it takes three fourths of the season for a guy to look right again. For Titans fans, they better hope that's what the case is. Because if that's not the case, and this is just who he is now, he's not even close to the player that they signed up for when they went and got him this summer. Let's move on to our next winner, somebody who we've criticized on this show quite a bit early in the season, but has become a pleasant surprise. Let's talk about our next winner here, Terrence Mitchell. Yeah, it's officially time to give Terrence Mitchell uh just some forgiveness really for his horrific debut and welcome him into the fold if you're a titans fan it's time to it's time to accept terrence mitchell guys I, I we railed everyone railed on mitchell after that raiders game which was his first game with the team on like three days of practice and preparation in that game he allowed roughly seven thousand yards through the air to a relatively no-name wide receiver at the time mac hollins That week, he joined the team with only a couple of days to prepare. It was a nightmare on short notice. But here's the thing. His failures were particularly highlighted by the fact that Caleb Farley was on the sideline in that game, and we didn't really know just how raw he was at the time yet. Since then, he's, Mitchell, been quietly a really nice borderline starter cornerback for the Titans, and he had a great showing in Week 10, This week against the Broncos, he led the defense with eight combined tackles, also managing a team-high three passes defended and an interception to steal the game, which he ran out of the end zone and took a knee on the one-yard line. Don't don't do that, man. What do you that? That was so. That was dumb. I'm sure he know he knows that's dumb. He's gonna get railed for it this week in practice. But making the pick, ending the game, icing it, forcing the offense to get a quarterback sneak to not lose the way the Bills almost lost, but still. They, they got they got under control, so his interception extended the Titans' win streak, or uh, interception streak, by the way. They have one or more interception in each of the past seven games, which is a pretty tremendous statistic. And listen, with a team like the Titans, where they win on margins, they win on out-disciplining you, they win on being more efficient than you. They don't win by outscoring you tremendously or outgaining you tremendously. By the way, side note, 
we went and uh, by we, I mean me went and found the uh, stats on the Titans being outgained this year. They are five and three this year in games in which they are outgained just total yards, which I'll go out on a limb. I didn't check every other team in the NFL, but I'll go out on a limb and say that Mike Vrabel probably has the best record in terms of win the most wins on games that they get outgained. And it led me to realize, wait a second, the Titans have been outgained in every single game they've played this year. Besides the Texans game in which, I mean, you, you saw that one, unless you're that one person that listens to this show, but doesn't watch the Titans. You saw <coughs> just how, excuse me, just how bad that game was and how it was an outlier against competent teams. Titans get out gained every single week, but it's not a problem apparently in terms of winning. Um, and when you have a plus one turnover advantage going into the game with this interception streak, that's the kind of thing that lends itself to you being able to do this kind of thing. And so his emergence, Terrence Mitchell, as a viable option for the Titans at cornerback, it softened the blow. That's This is really the key. It softened the blow for this team when starters like Christian Fulton and Elijah Molden aren't available. Having guys like him available is massive to this defense, not having any huge leaks in the infrastructure of, of the contain. And so Mitchell deserves a dose of forgiveness from everybody, as well as I think a welcoming into the fold. I think that he has found his footing and he's, he's a nice cornerback for this team now. Moving on to our second last loser. And this is more of a team wide one that the Titans definitely dealt with today. Our fifth loser of the day is penalty discipline. Yeah, I mean, listen, the downside to playing so many young and inexperienced players is that they do stupid things sometimes. The Titans had an uncharacteristically bad day today in terms of penalties. They gave up 60 yards on nine flags. Three of those, it says here, were calls that gave the Broncos a fresh set of downs. First downs on three of those nine penalties. Among the chief perpetrators in this game was defensive end Sam... Oh, I won't try to butcher his last name. It's it's long, but Sam O on the defensive line, he had a rough day at the office today. He got called for being offsides on defense twice, which is among the stupidest ways that you can penalize your own team. He also awkwardly failed to come up with that fumble at the very end of the game. If you were watching the game, you saw Russell Wilson get sacked by Rashad Weaver hard on third down under a minute to go. And he fumbles the ball, and there was a Titans player that jumped right on it. And you're like, oh, yeah, game over. Game over. Titans got it. And then four Broncos jumped on it, and, he, and the Titan never even – you look on the replay in slow-mo from certain angles. They never had a chance. Well, that was our boy Samo. He jumped on it, um, and uh, he he just – he couldn't come up with the fumble at the end of the game. And, and ultimately, he, in doing so, he gave the Broncos one last chance to tie it up, which they ultimately didn't succeed, but – that would have been a big deal, obviously. So between two bad holding penalties from him, a couple bad holding penalties from others, lining up off sides or jumping before the, before the snap, the Titans, they just had kind of an undisciplined day that it's the kind of undisciplined day that really results in a loss, frankly, against a better opponent than the Broncos. Let's move on to our final winner of the day. And, Another pleasant surprise here for the Titans and somebody that I can guarantee no one saw coming here. Let's talk about CJ Board. JT, I asked you earlier where you were for the NWI game. Who who cares? Who cares? Where were you for the CJ Board special teams game, baby? CJ Board, such a late and random addition to the Titans roster. We we get these we get these rosters in the press box. Very nice, double, double-sided sheet. All, all the players on either, and this is from the Colts game, all the players from both teams, all the stats, where they're from, what they weigh, all, all, where the, the depth charts, it's great. And it's super up-to-date, which is the key, because these things are changing all the time. I've never been in there and seen on either team somebody not be listed. Well, he was such a late ad that – he wasn't even on this. He was on a separate piece of paper they gave us that was like, hey, by the way, this guy's CJ Board. They called him up. He's on the team. So he was so late and random, adding to the Titans roster on Sunday. Didn't even make the rosters handed out in the press box. He joined the Titans practice squad back in October, which, hand up, I'm a reporter covering the Titans. I don't even remember that move. 
they made it apparently i'm sure i saw it i'm sure i saw the name it was like who cares um but apparently we should have cared because in his first elevation since being added in october to the active roster on sunday he made a lot of splashes on special teams he gained 51 yards on four punt returns as well as being the guy that downed that ryan stonehouse punt inside the five yard line so he was flying around on punt return punt uh when the titans punted when the titans got punted too he was the guy getting the ball and he looked receiving or fielding punts like he was easily the best punt returner the titans have had really since kyle phillips went down after the beginning of the season as long as Phillips remains hurt, I think Board has carved out a role for himself on this team and, and maybe even beyond that. Let's move on to our final loser of the day today. And this is really one that you could probably say for most in all games, but we're going to throw it in here. Let's talk about our last loser here, the officiating. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted during today's game that the officials would not escape the list this week, and I am a man of my word. So the officials in the NFL, like you said, they generally lack a sterling re- reputation. And in this game, it was, I mean, at times it was unbearable. First of all, the refs were far too involved. That's my most common complaint with referees. Let them play. Nobody's here to see you, fellas. Nobody, no, like we don't want to hear. We Ideally, we never hear from you and ever. We hear from you on the coin toss. Hey, this is heads, this is tails. Then you don't talk the rest of the game. No, just kidding. This is the two minute warning. You say that twice. That's all we want to hear. Okay. <clears throat> and then maybe a coin toss in overtime, but we don't want to hear from you. We don't want to see your laundry on the field. We want to hear your whistles. We want them to play football. Now I get it. The teams, the guys cheat. They break the rules. Like you gotta, you gotta crack down on that. But when you can tell certain referees and I give the hockey family a lot of crap for this because Sean hockey is the worst about making it about him. He loves the spotlight He's a melodrama drama queen. I hate him. I think he should be, sent into the sun um this was i don't i don't know who the official was in this game i need to go look they made it way too much about them there there were a handful of penalties called in this game that were outrageous including that pathetic roughing the passer call where the player was pushed into into the into russell wilson and and russell just fell but it was it, it was not it was incidental contact purely incidental and then the another one that wasn't even incidental contact, there was no contact. And yet this verifiably insane defensive holding call that on the replay, you could see not only was there no holding, there was no contact. I believe it was Roger McCreary in coverage. who got it called on him. He, he didn't touch the guy once on the route. The guy had him beat and then fell. So terrible. Get it together. NFL. We can do a much, much, much better job than we are currently doing on the official front. So make it happen. That's, that's the end of our list for today. Oh, that's the end of the list. Yes. I should know that because I wrote the <laughs> list. All right. That's going to do it for today. And I said under an hour, we're right at around an hour. So there we go. We nailed it. The double wide XL version of winners and losers in the books, the Titans moving to five and three, six and three, excuse me. They of course are on Thursday night football this week. So before you go, let me inform you as to what this week's going to look like. We've got a three show week, me and JT, Working time and a half this week because with the Titans playing on Thursday night, we're going to record on Wednesday night at some point. Have a show out for you first thing Thursday. By the way, I think the Mike Herndon show will be in the same boat. We'll get it to you before the usual Thursday night time, obviously, because you won't want to watch the show in the middle of the Titans game. That wouldn't make any sense. So we'll try to get both of those shows to you as soon as possible on Wednesday or Thursday. This show, for sure, Thursday morning, first thing. You'll want to check that out. We'll do the same thing minus best bet gauntlet. We'll talk to James Foster. Hopefully maybe have another guest talk about the Packers game, preview that then reaction to the Packers game, quick turnaround Friday morning. We will have a reaction episode as we do on most Mondays to that Packers game, go through all of those things and then do the best bet gauntlet on there talking about the weekend of regular football. Then on Monday, we'll be back with a weekend of football reaction Monday morning episode talking about, not the Titans game, um, but talking about the Titans, of course, we'll probably have a guest or two on. That'll be fun. And we'll also go ahead and start to look forward to a big, big game. JT, I see that jersey you're wearing. Titans welcoming the Bengals back in Nissan Stadium for the first time in nearly a year. A very much anticipated rivalry. Well, not rivalry, but rematch rather 
uh, between two teams that met last year in the playoffs. We were both at that game, and we know how that went for the Titans. So they're going to be hungry for that one. Titans fans, I'm sure, are going to be a little extra fired up for that one, and that'll be a super fun game to preview next week. But this week, today's show, Monday morning, Thursday morning before the Packers game, and then Friday morning after the Packers game, recapping everything and looking ahead to the NFL weekend of football. <clears throat> Mike Herndon show again at this this week at some point um, early and then back to our regularly scheduled program. Shout out, by the way, to uh, our guy over at Football and Other F-Words. Zach came in, Zach Lyons, and uh, helped me out with the Mike Herndon show last week. So if you listen to that, and he did a great job. No, he didn't. You're lying. He did almost as good as I do, and I'll be back. But he did a great job. Thank you, Zach, for helping me out when I was on vacation. Last thing, real short, I won't give you the full spiel. If you're not a Broadway insider already, go to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Become an insider today. Price of a cup, cup of coffee a month. Um, first month, 99 cents. Get your first year for 20 bucks off if you use the codes annual or, or insider, whether you're getting the, the annual or monthly passes, respectively. All right, last thing before we go, JT. Like we promised, we have got the review in from Monday. The title of the five-star review. Goldilocks takes love how we started this love because that's what we are. Great we are start. not too hot, not too cold, just right, just right is what we. This is the just right podcast. He said he or he or she said not a homer, not spicy, but very solid content for any Titans fan. Much better than any fan podcast, and I feel like the ceiling is very high for how far they can go. Love Easton and JT five out of five highly recommend that comes from at Lord underscore Sov at L O R D underscore S O V on Twitter. Lord Sov, we already went and gave you a follow. You weren't even following us on Twitter, man. Come on. You can't leave us a review and love the show and not follow us on Twitter, but we do love you for, for listening to the show and leaving us a review. You can be like Lord Sov and get your review read. You can say, you can criticize us. You can call us stupid. You can talk about your cat. We don't care. Leave a review. Five stars. You can say whatever you want. We promise to read it on the show. Hopefully, we have some for Wednesday. We can read a couple then. JT, I've done enough rambling for today. Everybody, <clears throat> enjoy your week. Have a great work week. Get ready for Titans on Thursday Night Football until Thursday morning. For producer JT, I'm Houston Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.